broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Welcome to the Big Old Program, episode 903 of I Doubt It Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Dollimore, joined today by the lovely, talented, scholarly, and present, Brittany Page, everybody. Well, it's one of the most important days of the year, depending on who you are. Oh, you're talking about the Super Bowl. And what you care about. <laughs> and if you care about sports, then I think it's an important day for people who care about sports. <laughs> Or if you are swept away by whatever culture war nonsense is happening in today's time. Well, I don't know if you've seen how expensive the Super Bowl tickets are, which I I could not believe this when I heard it on the radio. So I looked it up and the prices vary depending on where you're looking. You know, SeatGeek, Ticketmaster, all these different websites that, yeah. have, that have the tickets. But... Ticketmaster, which is apparently the NFL's official ticket platform, the lowest price for tickets is $6,500. That is... $6,500. It used to be, obviously, prices increase, but it used to be like $1,500 for the lowest price ticket was like a shocking amount. Yeah, even that. Well, that is expensive. That's (laughs) very expensive. And as of Wednesday, the average price ticket on StubHub was $8,600. Which is a reseller. Yes. And some resellers are actually asking for up to (laughs) $45,000 a ticket. Come on, man. And we're not even talking about the the suites because you can get a suite at the Super Bowl. And apparently if you want to get a 20-person suite at the Super Bowl, that will cost a million you $1.8 million. Wow! If you want an eight-seat suite at the Super Bowl, you're going to have to pay $330,000. Come on, man. And if you want a four-seater suite, that's going to cost $150,000. I We were listening to WTOP, which is like the traffic and weather to gather on the eights, everybody. Like just news radio here in D.C. And they were talking about how the uh, M- McCarran Airport mm-hmm. in, in, in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. they were p- totally booked. No more room for pl- private jets. And just to park your jet for the day at McCarran Airport, $15,000 just to park it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, I <laughs> and think... they don't have like a park mobile app, so. <laughs> yeah. I think we need to deploy IRS agents like the military to the Super Bowl and make sure these people are paying their taxes. We need to have <laughs> IRS agents working the turnstiles as people come through. Rather than say, and not like that one security guard in like Philly who's just like waving his arms around. Yeah. Have you seen that that gif or yeah. that meme? Yeah. Yeah. Not like that. No, they need to be pulled aside into a room. Asked to pull up some documents. What's your social? We'll see if you're if you're all on the up and up. Yeah. I mean, come on. This is the average salary in America is sixty thousand a year. Yeah. And so I mean, come on. This is who are these people that are going to the Super Bowl? If you're listening to this and you're going to the Super Bowl, <laughs> please take stock of your life. Become a Patreon supporter. <laughs> <laughs> No, but seriously, it's ridiculous. It is. And also, I mean, when you think about the the experience of the game, if you've ever been to a professional, I mean, save maybe maybe baseball, which is kind of a, you know, you it's slower pace and you're drinking a beer and eating some nachos or whatever and you're, you're right, however close you are to the field, a football game is much objectively better watching it on your TV at home. I mean, most people have a 55-inch TV. It's just so much better. Are you questioning the 55-inch TV thing? Yeah, like most people have a 55-inch TV. Well, you go to the store to buy a TV now. Uh Uh-huh. 
Like, you have to search for one that's smaller than 50. Most TVs huh. that are sold are 55 or above. Interesting. Well, so what I meant was 55 from bigger. I see. Huh. Well, we should look that up. You should Google that while I'm finishing my thought. Don't think there's been a survey on that, but I'll, so, I'll see. So the, the, the point is, is that it's a much better experience to watch the game at home mm-hmm. with the, the technological advances in broadcasting and how the cameras on the tethers and it, it just... It's not great to be at a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'll go anywhere for a hot dog, but I certainly don't need to pay that much to go somewhere for a hot dog. You can get a hot dog much cheaper than that at Costco. <laughs> you can. <laughs> 150 I hear, right? Isn't it 150 With a drink. Yeah, with a drink. With a drink. Mm-hmm. They're not going to change that either. They have a strong commitment to the $1.50 hot dog. I've heard the CEO, we're really going crazy now, but I've heard the CEO is like, that's like a that's a bridge too far. We're not raising the price. He's very adamant about that being that price remaining. Good. Hopefully he's also adamant about paying his taxes if he's going to the Super Bowl. So, we want to <laughs> <laughs> take a moment to thank our Patreon supporters before Hello, we pours. Exactly. Before we Not the Patreon supporters. The, the the message from CEOs of companies who are going to the Super Bowl. Well, you're the one who Hello, played the boys. drop. You you should play the drop at a time when you don't have to explain it. I bye, think. Bye. So thank you to our Patreon supporters. That was really bad timing. Yeah, very, I, very bad. <laughs> So thank you to our Patreon let's, supporters. Let, let's take a moment to uh, thank uh, the the little people. I know. <laughs> See, <laughs> who support the show? It's your desperation. It's your All right. Your desperation to get through the drops whenever you can. Okay. Thank you to our new Patreon supporters, Shirley S. Shirley S. Mick M. Mick M. I smoke and I know things. Oh, that's the, uh, I smoke and I know things. Corey. Corey. Linda S. Linda S. David T. David T. Maureen M. Maureen N. Don O. Don O. Giselle B. Giselle B. Nick P. Nick P. Nicole H. Nicole H. K A. K A. A. Who is not new, but must have adjusted because K.A. has been a longtime supporter. But we want to give a special... Sh- oh, is that K in Australia? Yes. Oh, wow. We want to give a special shout out to two Patreon supporters that increased their pledges, and that would be Joni K. Joni K, thank you. And Andrew B. Andrew B, thank you. Thank you very much for your support of the show. We do have some listener communication from our last episode, so we are going to read a couple of emails before we get into the topics for the show. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. Sorry, they actually put my name first. Hi, Brittany and Jesse. Wow, just reflexively. (laughs) I wanted to add some information to your response to Tom from Canada on episode 902. One of my most meaningful avocations is building community, social support, and political power for the non-religious. What? You're going to have to... What's avocation? Is that like hobby or occupation or interests? What does that mean? That is correct. I'm just going off of context clues. A hobby or minor occupation. Wow, really? Yes. And I, I have the definition handy... Because I may or may not have had to play how to pronounce it, okay? (laughs) What what Tom described is common for folks who leave faith traditions. That's great. That's a great one. I wonder if I'm going to be able to read the email. Do you think that's going to happen? Only time will tell. (laughs) What Tom described is common for folks who leave faith traditions. They feel like their current friends slash family don't understand or accept them due to their non-belief. And that can make a challenging time even harder. For Tom and anyone else who is looking for a community that accepts them, know that such places exist. Unfortunately, it isn't always easy to find them, but you can start with searching atheist groups near me, as that often works. You can also check out the websites for the Freedom From Religion Foundation, the American Humanist Association, and American Atheists for their lists of local groups. Meetup is also a useful place to search. Finally, if anyone needs a community like this and can't find one, email me at marcus at trianglefreethought.org, and I'm going to put all this in the info. I will help you find or start a group. For any non-believing listeners in the Triangle region of North Carolina, the Triangle Free Thought Society is the group I help run, and we'd love to have you. Brittany is the best part. Marcus. 
Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Hello, Marcus. So, of course, we can always count on Marcus to come through with the practical information because this really is the heart of it. I mean, people who come out of religion struggle to create community and to find community because that is such an important part of faith communities, of being a part of a religious tradition. And a lot of times that's inherited. You grow up in a family they have a specific religious tradition. You just kind of inherit that and you come up in that belief system. And so when you leave that, sometimes you're leaving these very deep roots that have yeah. been established within these communities. And I think for a lot of non-believers, and that population is growing over time, as we see in, in various polls from Pew Research Center, that, that demographic is definitely continuing to grow. One thing we often see in reporting about that group is the concern about a lack of community and how to replace the weekly gatherings at church or how to replace that that community again that, that you that yeah. you built within these religious traditions so i think it's great that these organizations are popping up and helping people create these communities helping people find like-minded people who have the same interests and can feel connected i know with a lot of these groups there are charitable endeavors that are a part of it, volunteer opportunities where you can give of your your time. And I think those are all great ways to help stay connected and kind of fight off that, fight off, I don't know what happened there, (laughs) fight off that loneliness that, 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 Tom from Canada was talking about that isolation yeah. that, can, that can come with leaving your religious tradition. And Paul, I believe in Corinthians, not to make this a Bible study, but talked about forsake not the fellowship of the brethren. And fellowship, that's kind of a Christianese um, take on it, but fellowship or gathering one with another to to commune and to 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 to, to, to just be with one another, friendship, community, more modern terms. Very important. I mean, we are a social creature. We are hairless apes that are not isolated, solitary creatures. We're, we absolutely need that element in our life. And if you rely heavily on it because of your religious tradition and your, your community that you're presently connected to, it does need to be replaced. Otherwise, you're going to suffer emotionally and um, spiritually even, whatever exactly that means. Um, and it's important. So thank you, Marcus, at coming through, like always, to bring some actual resources um, to bear. And we will, again, link those in the, the show notes so you can look for those links. Thank you to Marcus. We have another email. Hello. I truly enjoy listening to you and Brittany. Thank you, Brittany, for your awareness. I signed up to donate for women who are needing help with abortions. Even though I have conflicting issues, I still believe a woman has rights, and those are stronger than my personal beliefs. I'm writing to request information as to where I may obtain a copy of We the People brochure that you so often show, Jesse. Thank you for making me smile each day and even laugh. I love your succinct reporting and that you don't pull punches. You come straight to the point. Have a wonderful day and take care. Robin R. I get those little pocket constitutions like on Amazon or something. If you just write pocket constitution, you'll see the cover that looks exactly like the one I have. Um, but that's that's where I get them. They're super cheap. I think I got 20 of them for 10 bucks or 10, bu- 10 of them for 20 bucks. Or, it's it's not a ton of money. Um, but that's, that's where I got them. Just Google pocket constitution. So I guess the part of the answer is that when when Robin calls it a We the People brochure, it's a pocket constitution. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, We the People. So in my YouTube videos, for those of you who only listen to the show here and, and don't watch on YouTube, occasionally I'll break out the little pocket constitution a la Ted Cruz or any number of these other dipshits who use the constitution as a prop and not as a guiding North Star of principles, uh, the, the fundamental foundation of our rule of law in this country. Um, and I, I'll break it out and, and, you know, talk about it. So, yeah, um, just just like them, except oftentimes theirs is really tattered and worn, like they've really just been thumbing through it for hours. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of like when you go to a mall and you buy a pair of jeans that's already distressed. Yes. <laughs> yeah. They probably sell those online. Probably. 
probably you have to find some griftery right-wing site to make your friends think you've really poured through the facts here. They, like, hold it up to a lighter and burn the edges a little bit. (laughs) Put it out. Mail it out. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Robin, for that question. We have one final email to read. Hey, Jesse and Brittany, appreciate everything you guys do. Thought I'd share my thoughts and get your opinion on something. Seems perhaps we wouldn't be in the whole situation we have going on with Israel, Iran, and Gaza if not for Trump's presidency and his decision to not only move the embassy for Israel, but to pull out of the Iran nuclear deal. If it were not for that, not only would Israel be as emboldened as they are now, and that Iran would not be as involved as they are now either. Keep up the good work, stay safe, and take care. Yeah, I don't know that I fully agree um, with your analysis there. I think that Hamas, a terrorist organization, they're going to do what they're going to do. They are opportunists in that way. They're going to they're going to do what they're going to do when they're going to do it whether Donald Trump is president or whether Joe Biden is president. Obviously, funding does play a role. But um, there are there are many things that uh, have contributed to the situation where we are relative to Israel's uh, jettisoning of, of international norms related to war crimes and, and mass slaughter of children and non-combatants. And I think that's another thing that probably would have taken place whether whether Donald Trump had been president or not. Um, Israel is a unique situation where the government of Netanyahu, they um, they know the political, intimately know the political situation on the ground in the United States, and they take full advantage of it. There are APAC and other political interest groups that raise tons and tons of money and money is what speaks in American politics today um, so I don't know I, I don't know that I fully agree with your take but it's it, you know it's certainly a, a valid um, it's a valid opinion it, 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 there, there are there are, are, are um, items that would back up your point just as I think there are items that back up mine so my position on this, and I, I hope this doesn't come across as dickish, is that I don't think it matters. Um, mm. I, I don't think it. Like, I don't understand the logic of trying to go back and blame Trump's presidency for the current situation that is happening. Um, you, you mean because, like, Joe Biden is president now and is signing uh, appropriations bills to give Israel money hand over fist? Yeah, I mean, and again, just this week, again, this happened where this has happened multiple times now, where Israel says you need to move out of here to the people in Gaza. You need, Rafa. you need to take shelter. And, well, they've done this multiple times. I'm just saying now it's Rafa, yeah. where everyone is currently taking shelter. I think the, the pre-October 7th population of Rafa was maybe a couple hundred thousand, and now there's over... A million people that yeah, are nearly that, two million that I are think. sheltering there, and they're saying we're going to go in there. Israel is saying we're going to go in there to defeat Hamas. So you need to go somewhere else. And it's like, well, where are they supposed to go? It's the southernmost city. It's right against the Egypt border. Yeah, they've destroyed everything else. So where are they supposed to go? They're supposed to go back to the wreckage of everything right. in the country. I mean, where are this one point five plus million people? supposed to go. And so now President Biden is telling uh, Benjamin Netanyahu that they should not proceed with any military operations in Rafah unless there is a plan that they can execute that's going to ensure the safety of the people in that area. We know that they don't care about that. They haven't cared about that this entire time. They're doing nothing. Well, they also know that our aid, our dollars, is not contingent upon. If you do this... We're going to cut off the fucking dollar spigot. They know that. Yeah, and now Hamas is saying that the continued assaults on Rafa is going to end the the talks about the remaining hostages and any likelihood for peace. So it just it continues to be a nightmare. So that's a nightmare right now. That's what's happening right now. And I guess I and maybe I'm just upset about what's happening, so I can't really see the point in going back and trying to blame 
Donald Trump for this. I don't know, because there's current failures that are happening right now, and it's having real world ramifications on poor people that have no power. So I don't really care about going back and trying to blame Trump for it. The other thing that's happening right now at the southern, speaking of the southern border there um, along Egypt, uh, is uh, protests of Israelis who are blocking humanitarian aid from entering Gaza. I mean, it's just just a fucking shit show where everyone, no, let me scratch that. Too many people are okay with wild, reckless human rights abuses. Again, look, we'll go back to what we've been saying for months now. What took place on October 7th was a horrific, unjustified, brutal terrorist attack. Non-combatants were targeted. And here we here we are now. And now or many, many, many orders of magnitude more innocent non-combatant babies and women and, and children have been killed. Thousands and thousands and thousands. People are are fond of saying that this is the the number of 9-11s, comparatively speaking, uh, it, this was for, for Israel. And this is the worst attack on, on Jews since the Holocaust. All of that is true. And it is fucking terrible. And it also can be true that when over 10,000 children have been killed, that's also a horror on a world stage. I just, I don't understand why no one has any empathy. It's just, we're we're teaming up, we're going on either side, and not, we're just expelling our humanity to take a team team approach to this. And that's uh, so disheartening. So disheartening. So if you have some feedback for us, we would love to hear it. Call 657-464-7609, or you can send an email to idoubtit at dollamore.com. All right. Uh, moving on. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So, on a domestic front, uh, one of the things we're facing in the United States right now is this panic over migrants, panic over asylum seekers. Sean Hannity just the other day had a broadcast where he's interviewing. Uh, the 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 Curtis uh, Sliwa, the founder of the the <laughs> the Guardian Angels, the goofs in the red jackets and the red berets from the eighties, who used to patrol the subways and right the wrongs. It's just a vigilante group. And in the middle of his broadcast, while interviewing Sliwa, they panned the camera around and watched a mob of guardian angels attacking what they allege to be a migrant. They're taking over. They're taking over, he was screaming, as they attacked this man. The next day, I talked about it on, on, on YouTube, and I, I, I said, look, how do they know he's a migrant? They're not trained in de-escalation. They're not trained in mediation. They're not trained in crisis intervention. They're not there to de-escalate. They're there to be vigilantes. How do they know he's a migrant? Well, then the next day, it came out. He wasn't a migrant. He's an American from the Bronx, and he was cited for disorderly conduct or something because he was trying to disrupt the, the broadcast. He was still beaten. He was still detained illegally by vigilantes. And this is taking place now, especially in New York City, where this particular attack that was broadcast on Fox News, what it, it preceded 
or it it it, um, it was preceded by an attack on this is how it was framed in the media an attack on police by these migrants who were just beating police willy-nilly and it was big news and now we're finding out that that's not exactly how it went down because if you only listen to the cops all you get is their side which more times than we like to talk about is just a fabrication and a lie yeah Hannity ended up apologizing for that reporting. Did oh, I, that's right. Did I? Did you mention that part? I did not. Okay, because that's going to kind of play an important role in what we're getting ready to talk about. So I think we should start with Hannity's apology for getting it wrong. Now, before we go tonight, I want to talk about Curtis Lee's appearance on this show on Tuesday night when members of the Guardian Angels stopped a man and the police were called. Now, Curtis said that the man was a migrant and that he was shoplifting. Fox News has since spoken to the NYPD. Apparently, the statements made by Curtis that the man is a migrant is not true, and the man was given a summons for disorderly conduct. Now, today, Curtis Slewa acknowledged to the Washington Post that the man has not been charged with shoplifting, and Curtis said, in part, quote, I shouldn't have been listening to the crowd. That was my mistake. I should not have had that knee-jerk reaction. Again, on this show, we always want to... And the, I cut it off there too soon. He goes on to say how they always want to get it right and tell, be honest with the audience and whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolute and obvious bullshit coming from fucking Sean Hannity. Yeah, yeah. So a big part of what we do on the show is media criticism. We talk about the way that the media frames stories. We we try to encourage people to think critically about the way that media is framing stories. And this is becoming increasingly important as we see the way that the media is continue, continuing to report on Biden's age, Donald Trump. But this is true of even leftist programs. And- well, uh, uh, alleged self-described leftists or progressives. I'm just saying in general, it's also important for whatever program you watch that you agree with most of the time. That goes for us. And I, there was a recent, again, you referenced it, the January 27th viral video of a quote unquote group of migrants beating NYPD police officers. Mm -hmm. And the young Turks covered this video It was all over the internet. You may have seen multiple news outlets covering it. It was a viral video. Everyone was in disbelief. Look at this group of migrants stomping on the police, this unprovoked attack on the police. And then we get body cam footage. Yeah. This week, we just got the body cam footage. And we realize, oh, the viral surveillance footage was actually just like a 45-second edited video that the police decided to release. Doesn't show how the attack began which turns out turns out turns out to be a crucial yeah part of this story but i want to start with how the young turks reported on this and we're going to turn to anna kasparian particularly and this video is still up on their channel they as far as right now as we're recording this before the super bowl there has not been a correction there has not been an updated video about the released body camera footage showing what actually happened during this. And we're going to get to that. But we want to start with how it was framed from the Young Turks. Okay, this is... Listen, I know we have a giant left-wing audience, and I love you guys. Please don't give in to some knee-jerk reaction to provide cover for these people. These are not people you need to provide cover for. These are people who are in the country claiming asylum, they don't have a right to be here. It is a privilege to be able to take advantage of our asylum program and be able to claim asylum, claim that you're here because of whatever reason, I don't know exactly which reason they gave for their asylum claim, and you get to have your case adjudicated in front of a judge. But if you're causing all sorts of chaos, And if you're assaulting police officers, like the idea that we're not even having a conversation about immediately deporting them is ridiculous. But then not only that, they get arrested and immediately released without bail because of bail reform in New York. That's insane. Right? Am I crazy? I don't know. I I feel like I've lost my mind at this point. I feel like I'm going to get like an onslaught of ridiculous harassment because I think people seeking asylum 
and taking up finite resources that could be given to another asylum seeker who isn't causing problems. It's ridiculous. There is a lot there. One, how she's referring to them, that they are uh, these people. And we can, we can kind of get away from some of that stuff. But um, that they have no right to be here. That is false. We have laws in this, in this country. We, if we are a country of laws, we have the rule of law and the, the presumption of innocence. We'll get to that. But we have a, a law for asylum that you present yourself at the border and you claim asylum and then the process starts. It's not a fucking privilege. It is under the color of law that we offer asylum to people who seek it. It's not a privilege. It's a part of the course of law in this country. And she's calling, well, we're not going to deport them right away. That's because we have due process in this country. Even if you are not a citizen of this nation, if you you, uh, reside here, even in a temporary manner, you have the presumption of innocence and the right to due process. They are now alleged criminals... They are not convicted. If they are convicted of whatever crimes, if serious enough, and it's, and it's judged that they need to be deported, we can do that. But why are we chanting and lighting our pitchforks or lighting our, 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 our torches and waving our pitchforks for deportation before they've been offered the right to due process? While she rails against the no-bail system. This is one of the largest, most premier progressive news outlets in the country. Yeah, and this is why we like to talk about media criticism because again, this is how the story was framed when this this now we know is an edited video that is only the police account. And given what we know about the police, <laughs> you hear us talk about the police a lot on this show, given what we know about the police, and they're testifying. They have their own term for right. lying while giving testimony under oath. They are are known to cover their own asses and release footage that is going to make them look good and cover up what actually happened. This has happened how many times, you guys? Countless. So one thing that guides the things that we talk about are our values. And our values help us approach the stories that we cover. And, and one of the things that we are passionate about, or I'll just speak for myself, is power differentials and who has the power and who does not have the power. And you're looking at a situation where the the police are getting stomped by migrants on camera. You can't see, you know, at the time of this reporting from Anna Kasparian, you couldn't see what started it. She's just taking the police at their word that, of what happened. That they just, in an unprovoked manner, start stomping on the police. And, and, then going to we need to immediately deport them because of bail reform they're being immediately released rather than thinking huh are there other reasons that they could have been immediately released yeah do they know that this body camera footage exists when did they see the body camera footage i mean these are the types of questions that that one would be asking if their values were guiding their reporting if their values were concerns about power differentials but we're not going to play the whole clip because this was like a Nine and a half minute video. Yeah, an almost 10 minute segment that they had on their show the the day or whatever, the days surrounding this story coming out. But I want to play one more segment that really stood out. So we'll see how it plays out for the people who were caught in that surveillance footage beating the crap out of those cops. But anyone who thinks like, oh, who cares? We don't like cops, so let them do whatever they want. You're ridiculous, okay? You're ridiculous. Uh, Not all of us have the resources, uh, as Cori Bush did, to hire private security and and feel safe. Ordinary citizens have their tax money sent to local police departments for protection to keep the community safe. So if you have a situation in which police are getting the message that they can be assaulted like that, and then right after their book, they're just released without bail. I don't know. I feel like it's going gonna, it's gonna to harm recruitment efforts in a situation where we already have a shortage of police officers. So when you call the cops because you need them and they're unable to come because there is that shortage, don't complain about it if you provided cover for the kind of behavior we saw in that surveillance footage. But aside from that, if these guys are comfortable enough 
to openly, publicly, in broad daylight, beat the crap out of police officers. What do you think they're willing to do to ordinary people? So, first, I, I, they keep talking about Cory Bush and the the private security thing, and they're criticizing Cory Bush because she will say defund the police, and then she hired personal security, and this is supposed to be some sort of dunk on her that she doesn't trust the the police enough or she has the resources to be able to create her own police protection. I don't know, whatever. They are public people, Anna Kasparian and and Jenk, and they have talked about how they receive death threats. Now, being public people who receive death threats, they should should know, they should know that the police do not give a shit. Right. They don't care. You call them. They literally laugh at you. They ask you if you're actually afraid. Trust us when we say this. This is how it goes down in multiple jurisdictions and many municipalities that we've had scary death threats against us. Now, do I still call the police? Yes. Because what other option do I have? Do they open a case? Yeah. Do they do anything about it? No. Does it go to the FBI? Yeah. Does the FBI do anything about it? No. And I don't like talking about that publicly because then all these people who want to hammer our heads like Paul Pelosi know that that's the reality that the police don't care but you know what that's the reality the police don't care so you do have to invest in things like your own personal security system yeah because the taxes that are going to the police don't result in community safety they don't result in you being able to call the police and feel safer in your community and taken care of and again someone who understands the vast systemic problems that we have in policing would see this surveillance footage and instead of taking the police immediately at their word question what it was that happened here that resulted in migrants beating up a police officer and also resulted in charges being dropped against these people and in this diatribe this 10 minute video that we're not playing here she also attacks alvin bragg the manhattan da for dropping charges before she was privy to the body cam footage that he most certainly was privy to and then because of that body camera footage and what it revealed didn't bring charges against these these uh young men uh, early 20s i think right but let me let me throw this at you everybody if we were to voice clone Think of the worst of the worst. Fucking Matt Walsh or Bill O'Reilly, Sean Hannity, Laura Ingram, Jesse Waters, Greg Gutfeld. If we were to voice clone one of them and feed it into to the system where it spits back out the script and just give the, the, the voice clone her words, you would be out like, how fuck Greg Gutfeld? Fuck Jesse. Well, how dare he say these things? This is just right-wing talking points that are pro-cop and anti-immigrant and anti-asylum seeker. Believe that to be true. Because all she's spewing here are right-wing Daily Wire Fox News talking points under the cover of the Young Turks. They report on the studies that first-generation immigrants actually are involved in far less crime than native-born Americans. That's just a fact. So when you start with an emotional argument about, we need to deport these people and it's dangerous and they're stomping on cops, these good cops, when you see the, 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 the body cam footage, That doesn't line up. These aren't good cops. These were cops who were antagonizing a group of people who weren't blocking the path, who were on the edge of the sidewalk, and they started being aggressive to these kids right away. Yeah, so... That's that's really the heart of it. This does damage. And in fact, that's what happened. This video went viral. There were calls from Republican lawmakers to you know, implement strict policies that prevent people from coming into the country. Mayor Eric Adams said that we needed to walk back New York City's sanctuary city laws. The Democratic governor of New York, Kathy Hochul, said that the men in the videos should all be, she said, quote, get them all and send them back. So 
they started to use this language that is very anti-migrant, anti-immigrant, and all that does is create a hostile environment for also, migrants. Also anti-constitution. It yeah. is, we're going to do away with due process for some groups of people and then maintain it for others, which is not how the Constitution works. Right. So again, we're not going to play the body cam footage, but I am going to link it in the show notes so that you can watch it for yourself. If you do watch it, I think it's under four minutes and the audio kicks in around maybe a minute 20 or so. Which also should be a red flag that they're not giving all the audio. What were the cops saying walking up to? It only starts after whatever shitty conversation I presume they were having was over. I think, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think it does. It starts when they walk up to this group of migrants and they say, let's go, vamos. You need to move. They tell them where to go. But they're not doing it like, hey, we got some reports. We, we need you guys to move. You're blocking this area. They walk up. They're immediately aggressive. They're immediately getting very close to the migrants. It is absolutely not a situation that you would see from a conflict training course right it is something that is only serving to ratchet up a tense situation and to be aggressive and then one of the migrants says something in spanish to one of the cops that he looks like ugly betty or something in spanish and the cop spoke spanish understood it and immediately snatched him aggressively and shoves him up against the wall and that's what started and that's what starts it like you don't you're not you're not um exempt from insult when you're a cop like who cares if they were disrespectful fuck off if you can't handle it turn in your badge and your gun and don't be a cop you weakling so we are going to play a news package about the body cam footage which kind of gives you a nice overview but also is a little too (laughs) pro cop fair and balanced for my taste NYPD body cam video takes us inside that Times Square brawl that made national headlines. That and new surveillance video police released raising more questions tonight whether the January altercation should have happened at all. From what I'm looking at, it didn't have to go go this far. Defense attorney Neville Mitchell weighing in on the video showing the two officers approach the group of men. Vamos, what's four one? The crowd is giving direction to please disperse that they're blocking the sidewalk. But Mitchell says the video doesn't support that as people are seen walking by. Most of the group immediately moves, but Yohenry Brito in yellow is the last to leave, telling police, don't touch me. Yellow Jacket takes his phone. Terry Monahan, former NYPD chief of department and use for contributor, says Brito was non-compliant. But when he starts to finally obey the officer's orders, pushing the stroller away, the group begins singing a derogatory song. And then this. Immediately after Bruto yells, looks like ugly Betty to the group, the officer is shown pushing him up against a wall. And Lieutenant makes a decision that he's going to summon him for disorderly conduct. But Mitchell and others say the officer acted aggressively. Words shouldn't be enough for police to, to, um, to act the way they act. You would want to make sure you should have in the city police officers that are able to de-escalate um, situations. And Mitchell says the videos show police did the opposite. When Brito protests and tries to break loose, the tussle begins and at least seven members of the group jump in, kicking and pulling at the officers trying to arrest him. This was a despicable act. Uh, it was not only an attack on the individuals who wore the police uniform, but it was an attack on our symbol of justice. The Manhattan DA, along with the mayor, announcing the indictment of seven people involved in the brawl, two of them not yet named. They're charged with assault, kicking officers, kicking away a police radio, and even aiding Brito's escape, though he was eventually captured. DA Bragg initially blasted for not immediately requesting most of the group be held on bail, saying today he wanted to make sure the right people were charged. But critics aren't convinced he made the right call. So... As you could hear, there was a pro-cop take in that, and then what I would say a realistic take in that. I wouldn't say it was anti-cop. I would just say it was the person that was speaking realistically about the situation. Also, Eric Adams is a cop. Like, was like a police lieutenant. He's He was a cop. He's a cop. So what's interesting about this is you often hear cops claim fear, and they say that they had to do something out of fear, and they feared for their life. But then they're walking around and feeling very comfortable upping the ante and 
creating a violent and hostile situation where there was not one. Right. And I talk about this sometimes, but working in a mental hospital, you have to go through nonviolent crisis intervention. And when you take this training, it just teaches you some techniques to be able to de-escalate a crisis, de-escalate situations that are otherwise going to cause a problem. And during my my first instance in nonviolent crisis intervention, we would talk about what you would do if someone was you know, chesting you up or insulting you or, <laughs> you know, trying to get under your skin. And I remember my my trainer was thinking, w- was saying that if you think you're coming to work here in this hospital and you're going to beat someone's ass, then I need you to walk out that door right now because I don't need you here. I don't want you here. Yeah. That's not your job. You're going to have people who are telling you horrible things. You're going to have people that are trying to get under your skin. You are going to be dealing with very intense situations in here. And if you think you're a tough guy that's going to put hands on people, that's not going to happen. You're not a bouncer at a bar. Yeah. And I really appreciated him being so direct and even asking people to leave because that's what we need with cops. Cops, I know, are in a different situation. They're not in a mental hospital. You can't, people don't have weapons in a mental hospital. I understand that there's a difference there. But wouldn't that create more incentive to engage in nonviolent crisis intervention techniques to walk up to this group of people that you don't know, that you have no rapport with? Wouldn't you start from a respectful place and then see where you need to go? Yeah. I mean, that's that seems like the safest option. Also, we're very oftentimes too American centric. We're too uh, we just we we look at through the lens policing through the lens of America when policing is done effectively all over the fucking planet where police don't even carry guns. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean it doesn't have to be this way. Yeah. It doesn't have to be this way. Yeah. So Again, we, we like to do these media criticisms because I think it's important just to encourage people to think about these stories. I mean, when you, you see a headline and it's just the police account and not all this information has come out yet, we haven't seen the body camera footage, that's when you want to maybe take a beat. And, don't and don't they, immediately start attacking no bail and or call cops or, or these people ordinary people, like cops are special and, you know... I don't know. Yeah, so it just take a beat, wait for more information. You don't need to talk about everything the moment it comes out. Do a, a values check-in to see where you are with what you value and, and what you want to influence your audience into believing and thinking. And I think that's the most important thing because this happens and it seems that she just tossed away all of the progressive values she claims to hold. Like, no... Cash bail, it's not like just a willy-nilly liberal idea. Oh, yeah, we just, no, we just, criminals need to have all of the good stuff. And it's there's research behind it, studies behind it, that show the perniciousness of a cash bail system that is punitive and, and very harmful to families and people who end up being innocent, yet stay in jail because they're being penalized for being poor. It's a progressive value that she just, ah, I guess that's not important because cops, we need more cops. We need, uh, if you're going to be calling the cops, we want all the cops, the cops, cops, cops. Well, and bail, bail reform at its base level is just this idea, I think, that that courts should consider the the least restrictive option or conditions for people as long as they can reasonably ensure public safety as long as they can you know ensure that this person is going to make it back to court for their future court appearances that they should just be considering the least restrictive option and so yeah i mean i think if you're coming at this from a perspective of people are innocent until proven guilty or people you know don't shouldn't have to sit in jail and unless they have money to get out of jail all of those things kind of come together and Yeah, I I think considering values is important, but also just as consumers of media, I think it's important for us to check in and think about the 
the sources that we are looking to to guide us in what we're thinking. So we'd love to know what you think about that, 657-464-7609, or send an email to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Another thing that happened this week was uh, Missouri's Senate voted against allowing uh, abortion in cases of rape and incest. And there's been some disappointing stuff that Joe Biden has said this week, too, about abortion. He made an appearance and he... He said that he is a Catholic and that he doesn't want abortion on demand, but that he thought Roe versus Wade was right. And I'm sitting here thinking, like, can you please just on the one issue that's really going to get people out to vote for you? Can, yeah. can you not be so tepid about it? Well, it's also like he thinks Republicans are going to vote for him. Oh, he doesn't want abortion on demand, massive air quotes, whatever the fuck that means. I don't want health care on demand, Brittany, because I'm a Catholic. What? What? Yeah. what are you talking about? And it's disturbing because you hear some of the arguments that these Republicans are making, and it's very alarming. And we need to make sure that there is a strong and clear difference that people can see between Democrats and Republicans on this issue. So Missouri senators, they were arguing, they were determining how they were going to vote. And again, this was allowing exceptions in cases of rape and incest, which they decided to not allow. And I want you to hear in the case of one senator in Missouri named Sandy Crawford, who is justifying her vote against rape and incest exceptions because of God. Where do children come from? Who gives life? God. God gives life, right? I, you know, I, that's what it all, bo- all boils down to me. D- does God make mistakes? God does not make mistakes, but his creation, and I'm one of them, makes plenty of them. Yes, we absolutely make mistakes, but God does not make mistakes. And for some reason, even in some of these very horrific cases, there was a reason that God uh, allowed that uh, there to be a child out of that situation you know i don't talk about this a whole lot i think i've talked about it on the floor before but i was never able to have children so that makes maybe life a little bit more precious to me and you know no matter what i tried nothing worked but what it told me was this it wasn't me doing it it was somebody else and so I just wanted to make the point, and I thought it was really important that females on the other side of the coin spoke on this. And so, but I, I wanted to use you kind of uh, to, to bounce some things off of because I knew you were kind of down the same line as I was. But I just want us to think about that. And uh, one of the other senators was talking about God and religion a lot. But I just wanted to bring out the point that, you know, God is perfect. God does not make mistakes. And for some reason, he allows that to happen. Bad things happen. Uh, you know, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna be able to support the amendments because I am very pro-life, uh, regardless of what anyone might think. But it is very important to me, and I just kind of wanted to make that point. For some reason, she says, God allows that to happen. I I, I appreciate that she's really admitting something in her inability to put the word rape into that sentence because she can't even yeah she can't even bring herself to say unfortunately god allows rape to happen yeah she has to say that to happen yeah it it is uh well one god doesn't make mistakes god doesn't make mistakes no mistakes are made by god everything god does is perfect yet i am not able to have kids which should be then that's it that's god didn't make mistake he made you that way and then she says I tried everything. Well, well, if God doesn't want you to have kids and didn't make a mistake, why are you trying to correct the mistake by I tried everything? And then at the end there, of course, the I am so pro-life says the woman that invariably is a massive proponent of the death penalty. It just, this, by the way, should alarm everyone. We talked about the, the 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 We the People brochure, the pocket constitution. The word God doesn't appear one time in all of the of the text of the Constitution. Not once. It does in the Declaration of Independence. But once. But this is not 
We're not governed by the Declaration. We're governed by the Constitution. And for them to be making decisions on policy, on legislation, on law writing based on debate that took place in the forum of government and legislature where they're talking about what God does and God doesn't do, as though they know the mind of the creator they, they claim to serve, that none of that has a place. The First Amendment, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. So now you are making laws based on your particular faith tradition that doesn't line up with other faith traditions, even within Christianity. It's unconstitutional claptrap fucking nonsense. Well, it's also what was something that stood out to me is nowhere in there was she talking about her constituents and how they will be impacted. Yeah. How the people of Missouri will be impacted. It was all about her. Yeah. And how she wasn't able to have children. So she really feels passionately about this. And that okay you know this is how many babies that are the product of rape has she adopted since she can't have kids this is what's wrong with people using their personal experiences to vote and and do everything i mean you need to consider other people as well like your personal experience shouldn't be the guiding principle from which you do everything you know and i also it, it may be helpful for some survivors of sexual assault to tell themselves that that it was a part of God's plan and and that there's that there's meaning to this and that they can, you know, overcome it because God has a plan for them. Like that can be a healing thought for some people. But that's not a healing thought for everybody. In fact, that's a very damaging thought for many survivors of sexual assault who are told that in response to them telling people about their trauma. This is the same situation with people who lose a family member and tell someone about it. And they say, it's a part of God's plan. Right. That is not helpful for a lot of people. Again, it's helpful for some people. It's it's helpful for people, but not everybody. So to sit there and talk about God's plan, God's wishes, that this can be you know, a gift. I mean, some of the things that really came out of this debate were horrifying. And yeah. I, I just don't hear a lot of consideration for people who have actually endured something like this. It's only about these people and their vague pro-life principles. It's such a weird childish view to hold as a legislator, as someone who is writing laws that will impact millions of people. God doesn't make mistakes? What what does that even mean? Like, so my getting cancer, luckily, uh, I didn't die. But what about like suicide even? Like, people take their life out of out of whether it be mental illness or or other situations of despair and desperation. That God that's none of your particular flavor of religion should not play a role in how we govern ourselves. And it's not an opinion. It is in the Constitution, the same document to which she rose her right hand and swore an oath before God, her God, to support and defend, to uphold the Constitution. It never ceases to bother me these fucking people. So one thing that is important to talk about in Missouri is that they're trying the same approach as as they did in Ohio. You remember Republicans in Ohio put forward this ballot proposition that would have raised the threshold to amend the Ohio Constitution to a 60% majority. Yeah. And this was specifically because they feared abortion rights being put on the ballot and they wanted to make it more difficult to amend the Constitution. Well, the Missouri Republicans saw this Ohio effort, even though it was not successful, and they thought, oh, interesting idea, interesting way to prevent people from voting on abortion rights and gaining back their right to abortion. Let's try to stop that by copying what they did in Ohio. 
And meanwhile, efforts are still underway by Republicans to fortify the process to change the state's constitution by August. They continue to contend that the only way voters would approve abortion rights is if they were tricked into doing so. If, if you can spend 60, 70 million dollars, as we saw like in Ohio, to deceive people into what they're actually voting for, uh, I think it's, it's, it shows the problem and the loophole that we do have. If Republicans are successful, voters would be asked in August whether they want to make the Constitution more difficult to amend. And then they'd be asked about abortion rights in November under the more strict standards. In Jefferson City, Joe McLean, KY3 News. So what's so projection artist about this is the only deception that played out in Ohio was on the part of conservatives and Republicans who lied time and time and time and time and time again about what bills were about. And that this is about trans and the kids and protecting when it was had nothing to do with any of that. These people are sinister liars who will do anything to implement their particular draconian, tyrannical worldview on the rest of us. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, so definitely watch out for that, those of you who live in Missouri, because the Republicans are up to sh- some shenanigans yeah. over there, and you want to be aware of that. We'd love to know what you think, 657-464-7609, or you can send an email to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We have a few other topics on the board, but we're going to leave you there. We went a little long with this one. I love when we go long on these because it really means we we touched a nerve and hit on some things that I think the audience is really going to respond to. Uh, we will leave you there. We'll hold those others until the next show. We love and appreciate you very much. If you want to help support this work, produce this work, join the Patreon family. Go to patreon.com slash Podcast and help support this work there. Uh, We hope you have a great Super Bowl Sunday. We'll see you next time. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It.